May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Now, I will be the first to say that I'm not usually one to jump to St. Peter's defense right off the bat. Peter is the central disciple in that early band, the first leader of the church after Jesus' departure, the rock on whom the church is built. But of all the disciples, Peter can also be sometimes the hardest to love. He has a big personality, to put it politely. Peter's inconsistent, impulsive. He tends to make every momentous occasion after himself. Who is it who feels the need to insist that he'll never deny Jesus, even at the point of death, and then immediately denies him three times before the cock crows? It's Peter. Who's the one who sees the glory of the transfiguration and whose only response is, Lord, it's good that we were here? Peter. Who sees the risen Jesus standing on the shore preparing breakfast for the disciples after the resurrection and jumps into the water with all his clothes on to swim to him, leaving the other disciples to sail back to the beach? If you guessed Peter, you're three for three and you win our prize. Free coffee after the service. Peter can be hard to love. But at this moment, in this story, I feel some sympathy for Peter. I wonder whether Jesus is being a little unfair because let's be honest, if you were Jesus and you saw Peter coming towards you on the water, trusting so deeply in your divine power that he would step off the side of a boat and start walking, would the first words out of your mouth really be, oh you of little faith? It seems to me that must have taken quite a bit of faith. But then again, in my few years of ordained ministry, I found it useful from time to time to remember that I am not, in fact, the Son of God. And so if there's a story in the Gospels in which my initial reaction is that Jesus is wrong and I'm right, it's usually worth a second look. So I wonder what Jesus is actually saying here about Peter's faith and what that might mean for our faith as disciples following Peter in the line. There's an old icebreaker game called Two Truths and a Lie that you've probably played at some point. I might this call, call this story Two Faiths and a Doubt. It seems to me that Peter shows his faith in this story in two very particular ways, and we're left wondering what is the doubt that Jesus sees. Peter's first form of faith, of course, is his conviction that Jesus' power can enable him to do incredible things, more than he could do on his own. It's late in the night, in the fourth watch, Matthew says, and the boat is battered by the waves, going headfirst into the wind. It's cold and dark and rough. It is not a good time for a swim. But when Peter sees a figure walking on the surface of the sea and he hears Jesus say that it's him, he believes that if it really is, then Peter can walk on water too. That not only can Jesus conquer the chaos of the sea on his own behalf, but he can give his disciples strength to face the same challenge, that he can share that power with others. Peter's faith in this moment is a faith that Jesus is not a magician or a miracle worker trying to impress the disciples with his own special power, but Jesus is a God who wants to share his blessings with humankind. 
I can't imagine how much faith it would take to step off the side of a boat and start walking. And Peter's first form of faith is actually backed up by a second one, which I think is equally important. Peter doesn't only believe that Jesus will give him the strength to succeed in this moment, give him the miraculous ability to walk on the water. He also believes that if he falls, Jesus will be there to catch him. And to me, this act of faith is even more impressive than the first one. After all, it's one thing to believe that God will give you some extraordinary blessing because it's a relatively low risk. The worst that can happen is you remain ordinary. In Peter's case, the worst that can happen is that he takes a step off the boat and plunk. Well, hopefully he's close enough to climb back in. But to take step after step after step as the boat recedes behind you is a different kind of faith. It's a faith that if you begin to slip, if you begin to sink, someone's there to catch your fall. And indeed, Jesus does. As Peter begins to disappear, he immediately reaches out his hand. It's interesting to me that it seems like these are two halves of courage or faith that we often need. We're often faced with situations that may seem too much for us, with challenges or opportunities that frighten us or intimidate us, with an invitation from God to do something that seems beyond us. And we have to believe, on the one hand, that by the grace of God, we can do those things. That you are, as Christopher Robin said to Winnie the Pooh, braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But you also have to believe, on the other hand, that if and when you inevitably reach your limits, if and when we reach the point beyond which we cannot go and we begin to sink beneath that water, that God is there waiting for us, that God does not abandon us, that Jesus is there to catch us when we fall. And after all, it's much safer just to stay back in that boat. So this is the incredible faith that it takes to walk on water. And yet Jesus says to Peter before he says anything else, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Typically, people think of this moment of doubt as the moment at which Peter begins to become afraid because of the wind, and he sinks beneath the water, and he calls out, Lord, save me. Jesus asks him, why did you doubt? As if it's a relationship of cause and effect. You began doubting, and therefore you sank. As if, if Peter were just a little more faithful, if he had just a little less fear or doubt about what was going on, he could have made it all the way. And this raises complex theological questions and concerns that boil down to one problem. We can never try hard enough, we can never be good enough to earn God's love. That's not our jobs as Christian disciples. And yet, as Paul reminds us, no one who believes in God will be put to shame, but all who call upon him will be saved. It's God who comes to us, not we who go to God. And that's always been the story of the Bible. So I wonder if it's really something else going on. I wonder if Peter's true lack of faith isn't that he began to sink just steps away from Jesus. I wonder if it's really that he didn't just stay in the boat. In other words, I wonder if the more radical moment of doubt came when he saw Jesus walking toward him on the water and didn't trust 
that Jesus would come all the way. When he found himself in a storm and didn't trust that God would come to him. When he was afraid that Jesus would walk on by. And it's interesting, Mark tells a very similar story in his gospel. And when he does, Mark writes that Jesus meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. And Jesus turned aside and got into the boat. I wonder whether this was Peter's doubt and Peter's fear. Not that he doubted that he could walk all the way to Jesus, but that he doubted that Jesus would come all the way to him. That he found himself in a cold, dark boat in the middle of the night, battered by the wind and rocked by the waves, halfway between here and there. And he was afraid that God had abandoned them. I wonder whether this is the faith that Jesus wanted from Peter whether Jesus wanted him to stop being Peter for just a minute, to stop being the center of attention and the man of action, and to trust that God would keep them safe, to trust that God would act in God's own time, that God would come to them. I wonder, in other words, whether the lack of faith that Jesus identified is not so much a lack of faith in Peter's own miraculous abilities given by Jesus, but a lack of faith in God's own power and love. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe it is the other kind of faith that Jesus is concerned with. But it seems to me that we spend most of our lives on a boat from here to there, working hard with the wind against us, battered by the waves. And it seems to me that there are moments when God is calling us out onto the water, when God is encouraging us and inviting us into new and risky things. And it seems to me that there are times when God is asking us to stay put. There are times when we need the faith and the courage to take the step out onto the water, trusting that God will strengthen us and guide us. And there are times when we, we need to trust that however rocky things may be, however strong the waves and the wind, we will weather the storm and that sometimes all we can do is endure it in the sure and certain hope that God is with us and God is coming to us. It's genuinely hard to know which of these is right in any given moment in our own lives, let alone in a story from the Gospels. It takes discernment and prayer. It takes the effort to slow down and listen, to wait through the roaring noise of the wind breaking open the mountains and the earthquake and the fire, and to listen for God in the sound of sheer silence, in the still, small voice. To hear Jesus speaking to us wherever we are, and to understand what he's saying to us wherever we're going, and to hear those words he offers the disciples. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Amen.